everybody, this is Jeremy Carlson, and you are listening to the Bluegrass Sports Performance Podcast. Today, we are talking with Coach Hefner, strength and conditioning coach at Bullet East High School. Coach, how are we doing today? Doing well, doing well. Excited to be here. Good. Well, hey, I appreciate uh, you joining us. I know we've been going back and forth a little bit about trying to get uh, it worked out about when we could both do it. Um, and it just happened that our fall breaks lined up. So works out perfectly. Uh, before we get into the actual programming side um, of things, just give our listeners a little bit about your background, where you're from, kind of some of your education, and you can take it as far back as you want or, or as recent as you, as you go. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm from Eastern Kentucky, a little small town called Pikeville. Uh, a lot of people know about Pikeville just because the, uh, the, the sports and uh, the way that they've kind of dominated in the last couple of years, it, it put them on the map. Uh, but I graduated there in 2012. Uh, after leaving there, I, I went to EKU. Um, and whenever I got to EKU, I tried to pinpoint what my passions were to help me kind of figure out where I wanted to go with, with my major. And so I, I knew that um, I'd always enjoyed working out and wanted to do something that, that was involved with the body. Um, I didn't really know what that was, whether it was going to be PT, um, athletic conditioning, um, or sorry, athletic trainer, um, or what that looked like. And so I got into the program, the bachelor's of science program with the concentration in fitness and wellness. Um, about my second semester, um, I actually was going to the rec center and got to talking to one of the people higher up at the rec center there at EKU and, and, ended up getting getting an opportunity to for employment there at the rec center. Um, so I worked at EKU's campus rec center for three and a half years uh, while I was at EKU. Uh, my second year while working at the rec center, I had an opportunity to, to get my personal training certification paid for. Um, so I went ahead and got that taken care of while I was there and started personal training and working with very minimal college students, but more of the general public and, and doing that. After that, I um, got an opportunity to go be a manager and personal trainer at a gym uh, in Versailles, Kentucky, uh, so not too far down the road. Me and my wife were, were getting plans to get married at this point whenever we both graduated college, and, uh, and so we moved into uh, our house in Georgetown, so I had about a 20-minute commute to, to my job in Versailles, and while I was working there, I was always somewhat satisfied with doing just personal training, but I also still had that itch for something more. Um, and so while I was at uh, Workout Anytime in Versailles, I started doing a little bit um, of strength conditioning with, with some Versailles, um, some local people in Versailles, a, a couple of students um, from Woodford County High School, as well as um, I'm going blank on the college that's right down the road, um, Midway. And so we had a couple of people that would come into the gym and I would work with them one-on-one -on -one or do some small group training with them. Um, and then I got an opportunity to go meet with coach Ethan Ashley um, at LCA at the time. And that was in 2017. Um, and so went and met with him about strength conditioning as well as assistant football coach. And so he brought me on staff, started working a little bit with them that summer of 2017 um, and 2018 basically took over all the strength conditioning for them. Um, and then he, he got a job offer at Bullet East High School after the 2018 season. Um, and kind of God's plan, it just ended up happening this way. Me and my wife were actually looking at moving closer to her family. Um, and Mount Washington isn't too far from Shelby County, which is where I live now. And um, all my wife's family's here. And so it was kind of a no-brainer for me to accept the job. And so I started my option six at this point um, with not having an education background. I had to go that route. And so started that through the University of Cumberlands um, while I was kind of doing this whole transition. My first two years um, at Bullet East, I was in the special ed classroom. So I didn't even get to jump right into the strength conditioning um, aspect. And so we had just got a new weight room. That was one of our big pieces when we came in was, was getting some new equipment and, and kind of revamping the weight room. Um, and so at 2019, um, I, I started doing basically all after school strength conditioning stuff at Bullet East. 
Um, majority of that was with the football program. I had a couple of other people that would work with me one-on-one or um, a couple of teams would reach out and, you know, do a couple of days and then back out because it, it, the school didn't have it before I was there. It was just kind of nobody went into the weight room. Everybody go work out on their own. And then kind of looking into uh, where, where I'm at um, with that now in 2021, um, or sorry, 2020, during COVID, um, I got the actual strength conditioning position where I would be teaching that class. So, Gotcha. That's awesome. Well, and it's great. Again, I've, I've said this on multiple podcasts I've done with people. It's great to see people's backgrounds um, and where they've come and how it's kind of influenced uh, where they are now. And it is funny how kind of everything happens for a reason, right? Your family was looking to move. It ended up being very close to where, where you were, and it just happened to be the right connection at the right time. Um, right. For those that don't know, uh, explain a little bit about what option six is, because I think there are there would be some strength and conditioning coaches that would maybe be interested in dropping down to the high school level, but go, man, I, I have a master's in, so I'm a good example too. I've got a master's in exercise science, but I have no physical education background. So explain what the option six is so people maybe have a better idea of that. Yeah, so option six is basically an opportunity um, As far as I know, I I think majority of states do some type of option six. Uh, It might not be called the same thing, but um, basically those people who don't have a a physical education background or any type of teaching background, you can go into education um, while also being employed at the school. So I've been teaching at the school now going into my fourth year, um, and I will just be finishing my master's program uh, this December. So I've had the opportunity to go ahead and get my foot in the door and be teaching while also being in my master's program. So it's kind of a hand in hand thing. It's really, I was really anxious about it at first, never being in education, Um, but to be in my master's program as well as um, in the school building at the same time was, was super easy for me um, as far as that transition. Yeah, it, it's yeah, I'm doing the same thing right now when I drop down uh, from uh, center over to, to Mercer from the college to the high school. I, I, too, was slightly nervous about that because I was like, man, I'm going to have to go back to school yet again. Um, and it was it has been a pleasant, pleasant, a surprisingly pleasant experience uh, right. doing the option six route. Cumberland's and there are other schools that do it, but I think Cumberland's does a great job of it. Um, and it's been for me, at least, I don't know about you, but it's been really nice because I've been able to connect some of the things that we were learning and doing it in the hands-on experience, where I think a lot of times people learn about it first, and then it's a gap of a couple of years, and then they go, oh, yeah, I did. I remember something about that, and they've got to backtrack. Uh, have you found similar experiences in that? Very much so. Um, I know a lot of my classroom management strategies, a lot of um, just simple things as, as far as keeping students on task for extended periods of time or, or learning how to kind of differentiate instruction and things like that, that that's been super helpful that I've gotten from that program. Yeah, that's awesome. So again, great, great to see that background coming into play and being able to kind of almost mirror the two backgrounds and put them together um, with your personal training background, as well as the education one now making it into one. So explain to us how you go from being in a special education classroom to eventually being, you know, strength and conditioning coach. Um, there had to be some foresight, both from, it sounds like football coach and maybe even administration. Explain yeah. to us how that transition slowly happened. What were conversations like? Just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So um, basically the, the, the big kicker for me was we had, we had a PE coach that left. Um, and so there was a PE position that opened up. Um, but it was just a, another PE position. They, the school before I got there, they would use the weight room um, very loosely. They would go out and, and the kids basically had a time to mess around and just fool around out there. Um, and so whenever the conversation started happening with me, uh, as far as being the one to fill that position, I started talking to our administration um, about what I felt like that class should look like. And there was also some some help from an, our administration. Our principal at the time was Chris Mason, who just went to uh, Marshall County as the, the assistant superintendent of Marshall County. So he came from Boyle County, a, a 
big football school where they had weights implemented during school. And so he also saw what that looked like and, and knew what that looked like and what he wanted that to look like at Bullet East. And so kind of fitting some minds together and, and as well as the counselors working with schedules, we figured out a way to basically implement my weightlifting class, uh, which is actually not even connected to the building. So my students actually have to walk out of the school building to our weight room, um, which was a, a hesitation at first. But we go out to the weight room. I'm out there uh, six class periods a day now. My first year, I also taught uh, a health class one period a day. This year, I'm, I'm six class periods a day in the weight room. That's awesome. Okay, so let's transition then and talk a little bit more about the specifics of, of Bullet East there because every school is different and every school does things differently. Class periods, A block, B block, you know, there's a whole host. But start with the broad 10,000 foot overview of kind of Bullet East as a school, where we're located, um, maybe some of how many people go to the school, different different kind of things like that. And then we'll start backfilling some of the smaller details with, with classroom and stuff like that. Yeah, so Bullet East High School is in, uh, little town called Mount Washington. Um, and so Bullitt County has, has three high schools. Our, our high school is in the Eastern end in Mount Washington. Um, so we're just up from, from Fern Creek High School off Bardstown Road. Um, it's, it's a smaller community, but it's growing extremely fast. Uh, being that we are right outside of Louisville, um, our numbers, I mean, in, in 20, I think they said in 2012 to 2014, they were 4A, 2015, 2016, they went to 5A. And then basically it's been like a two-year jump ever since then. Um, and so now we're just under 1,600 students in our school building. Um, it, it's grown exponentially uh, in the last five years to my understanding. And, and it's grown a lot just since I've been there. Um, our freshman class right now, I believe has somewhere close to 500 students in it. Five, six hundred students, um, and so there, there's there's a lot of new families moving to Mount Washington. Um, they're developing a lot of farmland out there, so it's going to continue to grow, uh, which is a good thing. But um, kind of the flip side of that, our facilities at Bullet East are, are probably one of the restraints across the board. Not even just um, our athletic facilities, but our school facilities, and and they're our school district and our, our school board is working very hard to my understanding to, to improve that and widen that for our school as well as the other schools. Um, we actually have some improvements that are supposed to be coming in the next school year to help kind of rearrange and restructure the, the aspects of our school. Um, there's an elementary school directly beside our high school and our high school is getting ready to get that, uh, that school. And so they're gonna build a connecting building between the elementary school and the high school um, don't know all the markups and the plans for that, but I do know we're, we're going to be getting that building. And so we'll be not quite doubling space, but, but getting a significant amount of more space here in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's a, it's a, one of those crazy things you can't predict, right? I mean, if you look at the 10 year snapshot of the difference between 2012 and what you're describing to 2020, 2022, where we are now, I mean, that that's for a, you're sitting at about a thousand, you add, you're basically, getting up to 1600 students. I mean, adding 1600 or adding 600 students to a school can really put the pressure on not only the physical space, but also the teachers as well, just right. how many you have to deal, how many people Absolutely. are in the classroom uh, with you then. Uh, okay, so then start talking to us about kind of the setup of your strength and conditioning classes. You already gave us a little tidbit on it, right? They, they do have to go outside, so they have to be able to, to walk, but talk to us, you know, you have six periods, Kind of give us the breakdown of what that generally looks like, um, how many racks, different things like that. Yeah, so uh, we are in a we're we're on a seven bell schedule. Um, so I, I teach six class periods a day. Um, this year, just so happened my, my planning lined up with lunchtime, so I get a I get a significant break for my for my lunch and planning this year. So that's that's been super helpful from a programming standpoint and mm -hmm. kind of checking in on students as well. Um, but we go through our, our basketball gymnasium. So my class will always meet in our basketball gym. And then we exit out the back doors, um, walk out to our weight room. 
my students, I, I give them a, a pretty strict time, time clock on getting changed. Usually it's three to five minutes kind of based on temperature and what they're wearing already and, and stuff like that. But uh, we get changed pretty quickly. I'll have the workout and warm up written, uh, the warm up written on the board, the workout pulled up on the TV. Um, I'll run through everything really quickly. We'll get started on the warm up, and then it's kind of class gets rolling. I'll set our clock for 35 minutes. 35 minutes is really our workout time, our, our true actual um, exercise training time, um, because we are only on a 55 minute schedule. And by the time we walk out there, get changed, cool down, dress out. Um, it, it just is, it, it's extremely strenuous to get anything, um, more than 35 minutes. So, um, but we have, I have 10 racks. Uh, we, uh, one of our big updates when I came in was Sornex came in and, and renovated our entire weight room. So we've got 10 racks, they're half racks. Uh, we have the jammer arms and the triphasic hooks on those. Um, so a lot of different things that we can do with them. Uh, but space is extremely limited um, with only having 10 racks. I've, I've tried to implement and bring in a couple of other things uh, over the past couple of years. And so we've, we've developed, uh, I've got two dumbbell racks, one on each end of the weight room that are basically half dumbbell racks, 10 to 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a significant amount of med balls and, and things like that. But as far as actual space goes in the weight room, we are, we're, we're pretty, pretty tight, uh, especially for, for the most part, kind of like you were talking about with class size. Um, my, my average class size is 27 students. Um, and so I've, I've, I was able to put the cap this year at 30. Um, I only have one class that has 31. So that's one rack that has four people instead of three mm -hmm. um, for the functionality of the class and trying to get as much done as possible. I, I, I kind of pled my case with having three people per rack is, is about the maximum that I can have in mm -hmm. order for everybody to get something out of it. Yeah, there's no question. That's one thing that I learned when I, again, came to Mercer, the difference in the volume of athletes that you have to deal with and the, the cross-section of athletes as well. So you said that you've been able to put a cap on it, which is great, because that at least gives you, it's not ideal, but we're in the one to 30, right, uh, teacher to student uh, yeah. ratio. But then talk to us about the class makeup. Uh, my assumption is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you probably have a cross-section of athletes, right? You're not just, it's not just a football class period one and then just a basketball class period two. If you've got a, a different group of students probably in each one of them, but talk to us about what that, that may look like. Yeah, so we have uh, a wide variety. Um, and in that wide variety is also kids who aren't athletes. Um, so actually one of the prereqs for my class is that you're supposed to be a varsity athlete um, mm -hmm. at our school, but we all know that PE becomes a dumping ground most of the time for kids that need to fill in or missed a credit their freshman year or whatever. And so each, each class period, I probably have no more than, no more than seven um, kids that aren't athletes. That's probably the maximum I have in a class that aren't athletes. Um, so it's never too bad. Um, but on the flip side of that, for instance, my first period, I have six different um, training cycles going on at one time. I have, um, I have my general athletic conditioning class, which is my students who aren't athletes. Um, I have girls basketball, I have boys basketball, I have wrestling, I have football, and I have baseball in there. So I have a lot of different things going on, though um, I, I program basically everybody for the most part besides baseball. We keep the same core lifts, um, so basically our, our starting point is usually always the same, but our individual trainings or our, our development stuff will all look different. So after about the first 10 minutes of class, it's really chaotic. I've got people doing a lot of different things. And, um, but it, it's also really cool. I actually just had uh, one of my evaluations from my assistant principal and um, she was like, it's such organized chaos. It's awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm glad you think that because there's sometimes that I'm like, what the heck is going on in here? But for the most part, I've had a lot of buy-in from my students. Um, and, and so during the class period, it, it, it's pretty on the go. Good. Well, I, and that's awesome. It, it's really, and I'm sure, again, you found this too, just like I did, setting those standards and expectations early so that they understand clearly, like, this is what we are doing when we are in here. I know that uh, so you're right, that physical education can kind of be that dumping ground where they're like, we don't know what to do with them. Good luck. Have fun. 
Um, or right. if the teacher doesn't know what to do with them, they're like, well, I'll just send them to the gym. They'll, the, you can go hang out with the PE teacher. Um, and when they start understanding that that's not how we're going to run things anymore, the level changes and everybody's expectation then changes when they, when they go in there. So that's awesome to hear that you've been able to, to make that. So, okay. Talk to us about your, again, give us the 10,000 foot overview. Again, you said that you've got different programs running at the same time, but there's gotta be big rocks that, that are in your program that you think about um, or at least get them started with. So what does the general kind of overview look like for programming? Yeah, so um, I, early on when, when I was kind of getting into strength conditioning and realized how little of space I was going to have and how many students I was going to have, I was looking at all kinds of different programs and ways to program things and what was going to be best. And um, through talking with multiple strength coaches, um, really kind of fell in love with, with Joe Ken's tier system. Um, and so I use that from a standpoint, we always hit total body every single day. Um, and basically your, your variation comes from, from what you're training. Mm -hmm. Um, I also do a linear periodization. Um, so for the most part, our off season, I try to split up my weight room. So really our weight room is five racks on this side, five racks on the other. I try my best to split it up, uh, in groups of either five or twos, um, of people who are in season versus out of season. Mm -hmm. And that way I can, you know, my in-season kids, I don't have to harp on as much as, as far as pushing tempo or pushing weight, whereas off-season, I'm going to be a little bit more stickler on things. Um, but the the overall aspect that, that I would say is <laughs> my key points that I try to hit is one, movement. Um, if you can't move well, you can't be a good high school athlete. Um, so I'm always – trying to work on depth with our squats. I'm always trying to work on ankle hip mobility stuff, um, shoulder mobility for all of my overhead athletes. But big, I, I love um, a lot of different squat variations. We do, we do a ton of different squat variations. Um, we'll do a couple of different push variations as far as bench press and, and push press. Um, and then some type of pull variation, whether that be a hex bar deadlift, whether that be a hex bar deadlift jump shrug, barbell rack pull, uh, rack pull jump shrug or uh, I've got a, a handful of athletes mostly my football players because I've been working with them so long um, that are power cleaning at this point gotcha awesome okay so and then what does the weekly overview look like if you were to break it down like you're if you're a Joe Ken guy are we going three days a week with two days that are you know going to be movement based stuff are we going five what does that kind of look like for you yeah, so, and I've played with that quite a bit. That's one thing that I really have, um, I've liked because I personally, I, I feel like most strength coaches, we enjoy growing and being critiqued often. Um, and so throughout my, my two and a half years now working in the weight room at Bullet East, um, I ask for feedback from everybody, you know, my students, other teachers, my admin, you know, what are you hearing? What do you see? Um, and, and really after our first year, um, I had a lot of feedback as far as kids just were sore, we're stiff, we're sore, we don't feel like we can move well the next day. And so this year, something I implemented that, that I hadn't done before is yoga. Um, so we train three days a week, we'll work out Monday, Monday, Wednesday, no, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah. And then Tuesday, uh, Tuesday is yoga, and then Thursday is lesson. Um, so I teach a lesson every uh, once a week and we do yoga once a week. Um, now that, that lesson, what I use it for is, is basically a teaching moment and then also a movement moment. So for instance, I've taught, we've went over bench press, we've went over squat, we've went over power clean. Um, when I teach those lessons, I then implement the movement of it. So I'll teach for 10 to 15 minutes. We'll do a little video segment of it as well. And then I'll give them the last 10 minutes of class to work on that movement. Um, and we do, a lot, I try to teach a lot of self critiquing um, as well as group critiquing as well. So what do I need to be watching? Do I need to be looking at knees? Do I need to be looking at hips? Am I looking at ankles? Would I look at the shoulder? Like what am I looking for to kind of find those areas of concern when I'm watching my friend or my, my teammate lift? Um, so that's something I've really enjoyed kind of adding this year. 
with the yoga aspect. Um, I do have for the spring, I've, I've told our kids, we will start implementing a little bit of plyometric and speed work with that moving into the spring. Um, so right now our yoga videos are anywhere between 15 to 25 minutes long. Um, and then we do kind of a recovery session after the yoga session and talk about it, debrief, um, just because, you know, and, and I, I don't think it comes to any surprise to, to people in the school system, but our kids deal with so much. And, and I truly saw a lot of mental health issues turning into physical health issues um, and, and just saw the need to have them slow down, get their phones away from them, unplug like learn ways to cope with your emotions and learn ways to cope with the stress that's on your body in a good way. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of where I'm at right now this year. That's awesome. No, and I love to ask coaches that. Cause again, I think when we, you, you get a few kids that want to live five days a week, right. And they, they, they're, they're all about it. And those are always the fun ones, but most kids don't want to live five days a week. So you're trying to figure out how to plan for five days, really knowing that it really only takes three or four to really start making strong. And you can maybe even make an argument for some of the kids that have never lifted before two days a week will make them stronger. Right. Um, so you're trying to then balance, make that fine balance. So I always love to ask coaches that question because they always give me something a little bit different. I love the idea about the yoga because I think too, um, when, when I hear you talk about it, I think part of our job as strength and conditioning coaches at the high school level is to be a catalyst for a life of long, long living and healthy living, right? Where most of our athletes, even if they are good athletes, may not go on to play college sports. And so we're trying to set them up, or I, I would argue, we are trying to set them up, not only to be good in high school and be athletically good, strong, robust, all of those things, but then also when they get out and they're done with us, they can still recall some of the things like, hey, I remember doing, you know, yoga Tuesdays. And I remember what I could take from that or some of the technique stuff that you work on Thursday. So I love asking coaches that because I think it just gives such a unique perspective on what you can do in those other days. Um, OK, so let's start uh, transitioning to talking about the program. So if you can pull it up on okay. your end, what that what that kind of looks like. And we'll just kind of take a dive into it again. You've already talked about kind of using. Joe Ken's tier system, um, and I'll have you just briefly explain the the tier system uh, from a thousand foot overview, and then maybe how you implement it. Sure. All right. Can you see this? Yep. So this was uh, this was our second week of school. Um, actually, no, this was this was our first week of school. So this is where I started um, with football once school started. Um, really. What we had just finished with from my, my football training uh, aspect was we had just maxed this week before school started. Um, and so I wanted to get something that was going to kind of kind of be a little bit more low key for them, something simple to get them going that first week of school. Um, not too strenuous, but getting getting their bodies back under them before we started hitting full football season. So we lift almost year round from a football standpoint. Uh, they, they get a handful of weeks off throughout the year. Um, but what this is, is, is basically a modified um, APRE. Um, I, I, we use APRE throughout the summer. Uh, and so I basically took, took bits and pieces of that formula and implemented it into our first couple weeks of school. So we'll go eight. Um, our main lift will be four sets of eight on, on our this. So we'll start upper body as our emphasis here. Um, and then we'll go total body and then lower body. As you see, I've got them grouped there. A's are, that's a superset. B is a superset. And then C is a superset. And then we always finish with some core work at the end and, and a couple of different, um, some mobility stuff, hips and ankles, um, kind of finishing up at the end of class. Okay. So, so now I noticed, I noticed that this is on a Monday. Is that correct? Am I looking at that? That correctly? is correct. Okay. So, uh, now again, when you read Joe Ken's tier system, right, he goes day one TLU day two L U T. And then on the last day he goes UTL. Why did yep. you decide to make the change to put and go take that, what he would call his third day, make it your your first day. So when a couple of years ago, when I was kind of filling everything out, 
Um, I really try to, and I've, I've switched this a couple of times and, and I'll switch it a couple of times based on where we are uh, from an athlete standpoint. I will sometimes put our lower body on Monday versus our upper body on Monday, but typically I do it from a recovery standpoint. Um, so a lot of times with, with football, our legs are still a little bit dead from the, we just came off a of seven on seven and, and um, some heavy stuff in the summer. So I went ahead and did our upper body um, to start out this cycle. Um, and then I get, we on Tuesday, we'll get to lower body so that they have plenty of time to rest before Friday from a heavy load on the legs. Um, and then our upper, or our total body, um, I told you wrong. I, I do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, sorry. Um, but on Thursday is when I do our total body. Um, and that, that, the reason I do a total body on Thursday is because we've responded the best to that. Um, I try to really play off of my athletes. Um, now, I understand the argument and, and can, can, can figure out and see both sides of, you know, where to place things from a recovery standpoint and whatnot. Um, but I really, I try to personally base all of our lifts off of what I see our kids functioning better off of. Mm -hmm. um, so we do, we do our total body or uh, yeah, our total body on Thursday instead of on Monday. Makes sense. Yeah. And again, this is why I like, I like to hear coaches answers to it because it, it is largely dependent on, uh, on what the kids are saying to you, right? Like you have to take that. It, yes. Is there a point that you have to just drive home the point and get them going? Yes. But once they get into season, it might start looking a little bit different. It right. might be one of those things that you've got to, you've got to adjust, still get what you need to get in. Um, but take into consideration what they may be uh, experiencing there. Okay, so it looks like then talk us through um, kind of how we're pairing exercises, how you kind of think about doing that, because it looks like for the most part, everyone's got a pair. And if we, you know, cycle back to what we talked about with your school initially is you normally have, at, you know, averages 27 kids. You've got 10 racks. That's roughly putting three kids per rack. That means that, and again, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but just outside of looking in is you've got one person doing their main, one person doing the accessory to that main, and then one person resting. Is that fair to say? Yep, that, that's exactly right. And um, really what, what we use that third person for is the spotter most of the time. Um, that that's kind of their rest time or, or, or break time is, is to be spotting. Um, and realistically, you know, I have, I have some classes that are under, uh, right under the 20, the 20 people mark. And, and whenever I get there, it's almost, it's kind of that happy medium. Like when you have 30, exactly, you can have everybody on the same time system and, and everybody's functioning together and everything i feel like everything's running smooth same thing with 20 uh, being that we have 10 racks you know mm -hmm. when i get under that or i get over that and i have you know groups of three or a group of two and then i got a group of one if two guys are missing one day or whatever mm -hmm. um it, it starts to make me a little bit um iffy and eerie i guess per se whenever kids are working out by themselves or working out in twos um if we don't have spotters especially on some of our main lifts um but for the most part, yeah, that, that's how I try to structure it. Gotcha. Okay. So now if I'm a, if I'm a non-football athlete in your class, what does this start looking like? So again, you've got a, you know, a U day, what we would call a U emphasis day um, on the 22nd there. Yeah. So let's go, yeah, athletic conditioning. So what would that potentially look like on the 22nd? How does that change? And then how does that, how does that impact you as the teacher? We talked about your administration noticing some organized chaos, which I think sometimes strength and conditioning is organized chaos. Right. But as long as the kids are doing what they need to do, it can be organized chaos. Correct. So um, here's, here's a snapshot of, of just my general athletic conditioning students and what they're going to be doing. You'll see um, they're going to start on legs instead of upper body. Um, and the reason I started them on legs instead of instead of upper body was really just based off of where we were in the year. Um, we were just starting back actually this, this Monday, the 22nd, um, we didn't even get to uh, the, the barbell shrugs and the band pull aparts because I taught the first 10 to 15 minutes of class. Um, just kind of recapping. Thankfully this year, I have all upperclassmen, um, majority of which have had me in class before. So, so class moves pretty smoothly. 
uh, from a teaching and, and movement standpoint. But I typically always try to teach um, as much as possible that first week of class to make sure there's no injuries, nobody's doing anything stupid. Um, you can even see there, I, I, I kind of put in the notes, use a bench as a box for your box squat. Um, I, I try to make them the first couple of weeks uh, until they get comfortable being back underweight to use a box um, just for the security purpose. Um, so realistically, this is just a, a GPP uh, for me, for them. It, it's not something so simple as a one by 20. Uh, there's a little bit more leeway, especially, like I said, that I have these students for the second time. Um, and the majority of them are, are juniors and seniors. I have a handful of sophomores, but um, so I allow them to add a little bit of weight uh, versus a, a, from, from my my point of view with the GPP where they're going to stay, the, the weight's going to stay the same. Um, so I, I do give them a little bit of freedom in that. But for the most part, you can see it, it's pretty generic as far as what movements they're going to be doing. They will go to upper body um, to start on Tuesday where football and um, some of my other sports will be on a lower body on Tuesday. And then everybody will be on a total or a, yeah, a total body to start on Thursday. Okay, so now then if if so that's your general athletic conditioning. So let's say I'm a soccer player, right? And for at least where I am in Kentucky, we've got games um, on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, right? So, but yep. then you can also have a girls game that could be on a Monday, Wednesday, or Saturday. How are you making those adjustments, right? Football, I'm not oversimplifying it. Football physically takes a toll on your body, but football in terms of you knowing when you're gonna play, you're always going to play on Friday night. We know that. Yep. So we can prep, right? And you've already talked about it a little bit, how you noticed that their legs were a little bit dead coming off of a game from Friday. They still needed a little bit more recovery. We were going to go with an upper body. That might not be the same thing with soccer, though, because you might end up playing on Tuesday and Thursday when you've got two of your lifts programmed in there. How do okay. you go about modifying their workout that you that they may have there? So I use, uh, I think I... I know I stole this off of another strength coach. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I do a stoplight method. Mm -hmm. um, so red, red is game day or an injury. So if a student has a game that day or is injured, um, they're going to do one set. They, well, injured basically depends on what the injury is. Yeah. But if they have a game day that day, um, they would be one set of whatever that is so as you see here so for instance on this thursday they have dumbbell deadlift they would do one set of 10 one set of 10 on glute ham raises one set of 10 shoulder press basically they're cutting everything down to one by 10 one by whatever um yellow light would be 24 hours before game time so the day before game um which is going to be cutting it in half um realistically what i tell most of our guys and girls is you know I try, to, I try for the most part to keep it yellow or green light. Um, really, the only time I will go a true red light is if a coach communicates with me that his guys are hurting, mm -hmm. um, they don't need to be doing something or something along those lines. Like I said, injury, something's going on, district play, regional play, state championship play, whatever that looks like, um, then we'll get into the red light. Majority of the time, I'm going to be on. I'm I'm going to be on them to go for yellow light, uh, which would basically just be two sets of ten on each thing instead of one set. So that, so, so then you got a student or a coach that goes, "Coach, we're lifting on game day. I I don't think I can do that." What? How have those conversations gone? And I think there are two different conversations, but I'll let you try to attack both of them. What does that look like? How do you have those conversations with the students to tell them that hey? You know, this could help you out or to a coach like, hey, I'm, I'm not here to kill your student. Tell us right. how those conversations have gone, because I'm sure when you first stepped in, they were like, oh, my goodness, we're lifting on a game day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's quite shocking for most people. And um, honestly, for, for myself, when I first started exploring lifting on game day, uh, um, I was pretty shocked with with just the the general aspect of it, but as well as the science behind it, um, which is what I try to prove to coaches and, and talk them through, just kind of like what you're saying, like, coach, I'm not here to kill your kids. I'm not trying to like make them work out so hard that, you know, they're not going to be able to fill their legs later today during the game or whatever. Um, realistically, what I tell the coaches and what I tell the kids is you, you need to move. 
being stagnant, being still, sitting down all day is going to be more detrimental to your play tonight than you getting some functional movement in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not telling you to lift heavy. I'm not telling you that you need to do all of your sets and reps. We're going to cut it down. I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to help you be more functional and move better because we're going to get a little bit of work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always a good conversation. And again, I like to see how coaches present that, uh, whether they go with uh, the science route, which is kind of sounds like you do, where you start start pulling in research and show, hey, like this actually can be beneficial for for your kids, and it will actually help them. And I I know that as the as a the head soccer coach here at Mercer. Um, what's given me a lot of credibility is the opportunity to do it with my own student athletes and yeah. say, hey, look, because I, I control, I control playing time and I control the weight room. So I can tell my kids, Hey, look, no, we're, we're going to lift. And, and I tell a lot of them, I said, we're going to, we're going to lift as normal until we get to district or regional play. I understand those are, those are the games that really matter. Those are the games that where, where we're going to have to really fight one out. Um, but until then you, you guys are going to be okay. Also my soccer players and I love them. I've got a few that squat heavy or bench heavy or do different things. Most soccer players, this is the first time in a weight room as a high school student, they're not lifting that heavy uh, right. to really make a difference. You don't want to tell their coach that because their coach, <laughs> they're lifting the world as a soccer, as the head soccer coach and head uh, training condition coach. I guess I can say that. Um, okay. That's awesome. Um, that those are the big things that I wanted uh, to get out of on programming. The last thing that I really wanted to talk about was, um, any type of assessments that you all are doing, um, anything that's a little bit either different or maybe it's just the same as everybody else, but you're doing it at a, at a slightly different level or anything like that. I'm assuming we're tracking strength stuff because that's what we're doing here for the majority of it. Are there other things that we are tracking, vertical jumps, different things like that? Um, and then maybe how do you present that to some of your students? So we um, we do track our lifts i'll go here uh, actually we just finished right before fall break um you can see we, we did a max week this week it's very much a yes it is a one rep max uh, but it's a very controlled one rep max for for 90 percent of my students um and what i mean by that is i am telling them what weight they're going to mm-hmm. um i watch them warm up i go back in into the system here and with team builder and see you know Joey was last week, he did, you know, he did 135 for six on bench press. So I'm not going to let Joey start his one rep max on bench at 225. Um, So I I really try to take a handle, especially that week and and basically tell them like, I'm doing this for your safety. I get some of y'all think you're macho man and and you want to be, you know, impress everybody at your rack, but I'm going to, I'm going to tailor and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. This was our first max of the year from a weightlifting standpoint. We'll do two more um, with my class on the year. I do in the spring, we do a, uh, we do a shuttle and we do a mile. Um, and then we'll, we will also do, um, I don't do it as a quote unquote test. Um, I do it more as a fun activity, but we do a box jump challenge. Um to, to see who's got the highest box jump in each of my class, which is is a test, but the kids really like it from a spun standpoint. Oh, absolutely. So to explain to me why. So makes sense. Again, you're in the weight room. We're lifting most of the time. Makes sense while we're tracking. And are we tracking bench and squat only? Are those the only two strength exercises that we're, that we're really tracking? Are we tracking, uh, okay, hex bar deadlift yeah. as well? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Why do you choose those three exercises as the three to really track? So because those are our core lifts. Um, so each all of our three days that we lift, we hit all three of those aspects. So like I said early on, um, this hex bar deadlift, that will look different based on what group I'm, I'm lifting with. Um, so whether it's my girls, whether it's my tennis team, whether it's soccer, whether it's football, um, this is going to look a little bit different. I went with hex bar one from a safety standpoint. Um, and, and two, I really like, uh, the, the drive that the students get from a dead, from a hex bar deadlift versus the barbell deadlift. Um, we, and I say we as strength coaches, um, I feel like a lot of times have to work a tremendous amount of time on teaching the hip hinge. 
Um, and so getting kids to where they can properly hip hinge on a barbell from the floor, um, I just didn't, don't feel comfortable. And I even told them, like, I have a, a handful of kids that are like, are we going to barbell deadlift max in the, in the winter? I said, probably not. We'll probably stay with hex bar until we get to the spring. Um, just because I, I really want to try to get them as much input and, and strengthen the hips and the glutes. Uh, as possible before we really start pulling pulling just a barbell. Okay, awesome. And then explain to our listeners a little bit why you chose. Uh, you said a lateral shuffle. So are we going with like a five ten five? Is that what we're what we're yes. going with there? Yep. Okay. So why five ten five and why the mile? Um, so the five ten five one, I, I I really like it from a change of change of direction. Um, I have a lot of kids that are and. and uh, I'll kind of get into why the mile versus the the five ten five, but I have a handful of kids that I train that are very shifty, um, and those kids really enjoy the five ten five. Um, and then I have the other handful of kids that are soccer, cross country, track, <laughs> that are more like I suck at changing direction. I'm better straight down the line, or I'm better, you know, running laps. And so I try to 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 find two things that we can test everybody at but i'm also compromising and giving both a opportunity to be successful gotcha that makes sense now, it's, it's great to hear uh your thought process on why those two because again i think as a strength and conditioning coach we might look at it and go hmm i wonder why we pick those two those two are kind of uh contradictory or right. maybe they'll fit under the same umbrella and i won't i won't do those in the same week um yeah. they would they would be at different times but yes Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and it's great to see too. And I think this is an important part that uh, sometimes people overlook is sometimes as strength coaches, we can beat our chest and go, it's my way or the highway. But I love how you're able to uh, include uh, and think about not just one student population or just take one of their opinions, but trying to branch out and be able to service. It sounds like all of your student athletes that are at uh, at Bullet East, which is which is great to see. Have you seen that across the board of buy-in from at most of the student athletes, um, or are we still just primarily in pockets of space of the football, baseball, things like that? I'm gonna go ahead and stop sharing yeah. now. Um, yeah, so I, I have seen a, a tremendous amount of buy-in in the last two years. Um, since, since I kind of took the reins and got hired on as the, as the actual strength conditioning coach um, and, and really took time out of my day to reach out to coaches one-on-one, -on -one and whether that's through email, through text, through meeting with them at school on lunch breaks or whatever, um, but, but really trying to push them but not push them to say, we need our athletes across the board to be training. Mm -hmm. um, once I've had those conversations, I, I mean, the first the first year that I was at Bullet East, football, maybe wrestling for a couple of weeks, um, and that was really about it. Nobody else really lifted. Nobody wanted anything to do with the weight room. Now, fast forward to 2022, I have nine nine different teams that are in the weight room uh, periodically throughout the year. So, we've we've gotten a ton of buy-in from coaches um and I, I credit that to my administration as well as people vouching for me uh in the weight room I, i've been truly blessed with coaches going to other coaches and being like we've seen phenomenal results with our athletes whether it's training on game day whether it's off season whatever like for instance our cheerleaders just finished a four-week training cycle with me for the first time ever like they've never worked out. And the cheerleading coach was like, I'm really skeptical about it. Like, I don't know. And they loved it. Like, she's like, I truly feel like our girls are stronger. They were so happy with like the way the weight room was ran. And so it, it makes me feel very proud to be a part of a program that, that has started to take um, not just ownership, but take in, take in the weight training all year round. That's awesome. So as we continue to zoom back out from the programming and start talking about some of the bigger picture things, um, what are what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing right now? And maybe what's something that you're trying to get ahead of so that you're not having to, you know, face those challenges for the rest of your time at Bullet East? 
Yeah. I mean, space is space is the number one. Um, and there's nothing that I can do to, to change that right now. Um, like I said, kind of early on, and, and I've been told that within the next couple of years, we're, we're going to be getting some significant change uh, from a from a weight room standpoint. Um, and so I'm really hoping and, and hoping to get on board with our AD and, and whatever um, other people kind of make the board for that design uh, to really help facilitate what that looks like. Because I think we, we will have the opportunity to be, um, be a true 6A school with 6A facilities. Um, right now, we're, and we say this all the time, we're a 6A school with 2A facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, across the board that that's not just the weight room that's basketball facilities that that's about everything and um, and so hopefully in the next couple of years we can see that come to come come to fruition of, of like this is this is what we have now at a 6a school um, and, and it truly be in the space that we need that's awesome well coaches we start wrapping up tell listeners uh, how they can reach out to you or follow uh, the work that you're doing at Bullet East. Yeah. So personally, you can re- reach out to me by email, um, tolliver.hefner, H-E-F-N-E-R, at bullet.kyschools.us. Um, I also have a strength conditioning um, Twitter and Instagram. That's B-E strong. Uh, you can see I'm repping one of our shirts right now. Uh, we give those out uh, a couple times throughout the year. So uh, it's Be Strong 2021, I believe, is when I started the actual page. So I just went ahead and, and threw that in there with the, the OG. So Love it. Awesome. Well, Coach, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, yeah, look forward to, to the, seeing your continued work at Bullet East. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you very much.